0: Netflix's adaption of Jane Austen's Persuasion came out to very passionate poor reviews i mean it's jane austen right pride and prejudice sense and sensibility emma she's one of the most prolific and celebrated authors of all time with a huge fan base throughout history following the release of her novels and sadly death if you're gonna come out with a movie adaption you have to do it with a lot of care and know that no matter how much care you do have with it with a fan base this loyal and diverse it's impossible to make everybody happy so here's what I would not say that Netflix is known for the care taken in their body of work. Instead, they took a risk and set the adaption persuasion in a pseudo-modern early 19th century, still adapting it with a period setting, but adjusting to a modern audience by updating aspects of the wardrobe, language, setting, etc. The characters used trendy lingo like self-care, therapist, X playlist, the list goes on. A risky move that for some didn't pay off. With a critic rating of 31%, Persuasion ultimately released to poor reviews for more reasons than the short ones stated above. I'll admit, it's a flawed movie. The characters were off. They made some unnecessary changes. I didn't feel like a lot of chemistry between the two main characters, whatever. All that to say, I kinda really liked it in a sort of guilty pleasure type of way, you know what I mean? In a lot of ways, it does not stick to the essence and characterization of the book, but Dakota Johnson is lovely and it's fun and Quietly Yours is a great song. And as a Jane Austen girly, I am ashamed of myself. Yes, I am. Now we get to the point. Persuasion is a book about a woman, Anne Elliot, who broke off an engagement with a poor Navy man, Captain Wentworth, because she was persuaded to uh, by important people in her life, even though she was in love with him. And now eight years later, she's as miserable as ever and still very much in love with him. Relatable, right? This is when he shows up rich and in search of a wife and is looking at anyone but her as his prospects and it's killing her she's dying inside she's a wretch so she's miserable watching him trying to court all the ladies until he eventually lands upon one of her good friends as his potential wife Now, in the movie, there's this scene that slightly differs from the book, so that's why I'm referring to the movie. The wealthy and handsome Captain Wentworth is talking to his new love interest, and he starts degrading the character of Anne Elliot. Because he's still mad that she rejected his proposal, and he's also hiding some pretty big feelings for her. But Anne's friend comes in for the win, because even though she very much likes Captain Wentworth, she knows her friend very well, and she will not let him degrade her character because she is confident that she knows her friend's character and she will not let her friend be portrayed as anything but kind, even if it would benefit her to have him think so poorly of Anne. At a girl. That's a girl's girl. Women supporting women. Here's where we bring it back. In the Garden of Eden, the serpent calls into question the character of Yahweh to Eve when he says, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And it seems that Eve might not have had a firm grasp on the character of Yahweh, and it more benefited her immediate desires for her to believe poorly of Yahweh because she finds herself deceived by the serpent. Let's talk about it. Welcome to the Basic Bible Babe podcast. I'm your Basic Bible Babe, Brooke Ashley, and I'm not a theologian, but chances are you aren't either. But you don't have to be one to understand and fall in love with the Bible. So here, the goal is simple, to motivate each other to move past those things that stop us from reading the Bible and to become a people that understand and appreciate the Bible for what it is. Incredible. So remember, the Word of God is for you and it's relevant to your life today. Let's dive in. Welcome to my basic Bible babes and bros. I have to reintroduce myself because I'm the worst podcaster ever and I took the world's longest break. I'm Brooke Ashley Arceo. I'm your basic Bible babe. And we know what's up, okay? In my defense, I recorded a whole album and it rocked my little world in the sense that like it took a lot out of me. Like it was wild, but really I just like... I was in a whole nother headspace. I'm back. And so are you. Thank you for joining me. Um, I have some news that you probably know. I feel as if in this time of my life, it's definitely more sustainable for me to post biweekly. So once every two weeks. It's not as overwhelming. So that's what I'm going to do. But even if this podcast is biweekly, God's Word is available 24-7. Three, 365 baby. So y'all will live. Genesis. It's been a while, but here's the vibes. Genesis is a history book. It tells the stories and histories of God's people. Here's a hot take. I enjoy the narrative books of the Bible more than I do the instruction books. I like the books that tell stories versus the ones that talk about like wisdom or advice or prophecy books, or even worship books like Psalms. And I'm a worship leader. Those are the ones I should like the most, right? I should be like a Psalms girly. I'm not. That's not to say I don't enjoy the other books. I really do, but I enjoy the stories more, the scandal the characters, the settings. I say all that to say this. I just want to ask you a question. Do you have a preference when reading the Bible? Do you like the storybooks or the prophetic ones or maybe worship or wisdom? Or maybe you're like super holy and you like it all equally. Pray for me. Hopefully I will get there, okay? I appreciate that. That being said, these stories in the book of Genesis are so wild and fun to follow along for me. And I find myself excited and sad and interested in these characters that I already know very well. Okay. I hope the same for you. We are at Genesis 3. Genesis 3 starts off with the opening statement, introducing us to the serpent, the slithery snake. So before we get into that, I want to discuss the setting a little bit more because I did not mention this in the past episodes, but it's very important. It is speculated by some to be on a mountain, a garden on a mountain, okay? In a high space, because that would be a way for the rivers to flow from one distinct point into others. Just thoughts, thoughts, just think about your setting. And the last thing is something that I truly believe, okay? But you can feel free to study for yourself. Here's what it is. The Garden of Eden was thought to be the original design for humanity, which was to dwell with God and the spirits and the angels in unity, therefore making the garden a heaven on earth where God and his angels and man could all dwell together. So Adam and Eve would have been used to seeing God around and his angels, and they could have had relationships with them. This was the original design for you and I, for us to dwell with God and his creation with no separation. However, with sin came separation. Now, I want to make it clear that the Bible does not directly state these things, but it is super fun to do research deeper, into the text of the Bible, and hear what different theologians and scholars have to say, as long as it does not contradict the Bible itself. Okay, here we go. That in mind, we are introduced in verse one of chapter three to the slithery serpent. The Bible says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals the Lord God had made. And very interestingly, maybe you didn't know this, but in this chapter, they never call the serpent. Satan. They just called him the serpent. But we know that it is Satan because of other scriptures in the Bible. Ezekiel 28, 13 through 19 tells us that Satan was in Eden. Many other passages associate a serpent or a snake-like creature with Satan, such as Job 26, 13, Isaiah 51, 9, Revelation 12, 9, and 22 speak of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan. So Satan or the serpent is crafty or cunning. The Oxford Dictionary's definition of cunning is having or showing skill in achieving one's end by deceit or evasion. That's cunning. I think this ability of the devil is not to be downplayed. So I'm going to say something, okay? Hear me out. Satan can outsmart you. It's important that you and I realize that I am not above being outsmarted. Satan can outsmart an unguarded heart. Even a wise heart in a moment of weakness can fall to the crafty serpent. So sometimes it's best to do as the scripture says and run from evil, Don't give it the time of day. So the crafty serpent, Satan, finds Eve near the tree and he starts talking to her, which to me shows evidence that Eve may have been used to seeing spiritual beings around because the Bible does not say that she was afraid of the serpent, okay? This may have been normal to her. This brings us to his opening line. Did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? It's the first question ever in the Bible which shows us one of the enemy's biggest tactics or cards that he plays to cause you to question Eve responds, which I think may have been a mistake within itself. Like I said, run from evil. You don't have to engage in conversation with the enemy. He's very crafty and has this ability to twist the words of God. It's like when you kind of see debates online and the people questioning God sometimes seem smart and wise, but they're using this tactic that has been used by the enemy since day one. They're being crafty. So they will take something that the Bible says and they'll twist it and they'll make it seem wrong or absurd or immoral. It's the same question since the beginning of time. Did God really say you must not eat? And you don't have to engage with that, okay? We cannot underestimate the enemy. You can choose to look at the source and take your questions directly to God. Do your own research, but go into your research telling yourself this infallible truth. I know that God is good. I will not doubt that. I am here to seek understanding of Him. And understanding doesn't always come right away. God is wise and vast above all. And it would be crazy to believe that we could understand Him with one quick Google search. But if you diligently seek God, you will find the understandings or sometimes your faith will just be increased. Okay. But Eve engages the serpent and she says, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the fruit that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. So here's the thing that I notice about this response. Eve responded with the command of the Lord, but she does get it wrong. God never said that if you touch it, you will die. He just says that if you eat it, you will die. And there's a couple of points here. First, it was Adam who received the command in the Bible. And it was probably his job to relay this information to Eve. So did Adam relay this information incorrectly to scare her? Did she misquote Adam? And then the idea of Adam telling Eve the command. It also brings up another question for me. I think it would have been nice for Eve to have heard this command from God himself. I always think that firsthand knowledge of God is the best. It's nice to hear about God, but it's better to hear from God. You know what I mean? You catch my drift? That's the whole point of this pod. I want to hear from God directly. So the fact that Eve may not have heard this from God directly makes me a little bit uncomfortable. Okay? So I asked the question, God, why not just have told this to her directly? But it was the first establishment of woman having to submit to man. It reminds me that as a man or a woman, you have a spiritual authority, someone who God has placed over your life. If they have given you direction and you disobey, we are now in sin. In Exodus 4.16, we see this concept when God speaks to Moses about his brother Aaron. God says, he will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. That's a crazy statement, right? There's something about being able to submit to godly authority. I won't lie to you. This is hard for a lot of reasons, but one of the big reasons is that there's a lot of weirdos out there who take advantage of power, but it begs the question of both man and woman. We all have someone to submit to. Am I able to submit? I could stay on this topic for a while, but I feel like the word obedience has a very negative connotation to us. I don't want to be accountable. It's just not in my nature. But it is part of God's divine plan for us to be obedient, not only to Him, but to those who He's placed ahead of us, whether that be our parents, our pastors, our leaders, our husbands, etc. I personally think that all of us should be accountable to somebody. But Eve misquoted the statement. She tells the serpent that God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But remember how the Bible described the serpent. He's crafty. He uses deceit to get his own desires. So the serpent responds to Eve and says, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And just like that, Satan calls into question the character of God. He invites Eve to doubt what she knows about him, to doubt his intentions. And I think that that's funny Because the enemy still very much uses this tactic today, I've seen videos go around on the internet of street preachers asking, if you knew without a doubt that the God of the Bible was real, would you serve him? And lots of people say no because they think that they don't like God's character, who he is. The enemy has caused an entire generation to question his character and his intentions. And I want you to realize that this is one of the oldest tricks in the book. Literally, it's the first trick in the book. But it's your responsibility to try and understand God for yourself, to not give up when you have doubts, to trust Him through the questions. The more that I get to know God, the more I love Him, the more I understand Him, the more I want to be like Him and think like Him. The more I understand Him, the more I obey Him because I trust Him fully. But there have been countless times where because I didn't trust the character of God, I got closer to sin, just like Eve. Eve allowed the enemy to plant doubt in her mind, and Eve allowed herself to be tempted. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. As I read the scripture where it says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desired to make one wise, at that point, she was already a goner, you know? She had already convinced herself in her mind that it was a good idea, It reminds me of that scripture, but I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. Yes, the scripture means that we shouldn't lust, but it's the act of letting our mind run loose, not having any control over our thoughts. Eve let her mind run loose and started to think on sin. We think our mind is a safe place because no one can hear our thoughts. Our mind is private. But the Bible says that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You are your thoughts because we act out our thoughts. Eve did not take control over her thoughts. I had, um, if you're wondering, like, just like a little quick tip, if you're wondering, like, how can I can t- take control over my thoughts? And it's really hard for me to not think on sin and to not think of these things. Um, when I was in Louisiana for a conference, Sister Thetis Tenney said something that really changed my perspective on some things. And she said, You cannot stop thinking, but you can replace what you're thinking. So you actively have to try to replace what you're thinking. But it was a really good tip. So, There's a tip for you. If you're not trying to think on sin, think on something else. Think on whatsoever is pure and good and all that good stuff and lovely. Okay. Eve did not take control over her thoughts. She sinned in her mind, so she sinned in the world, the Bible says. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. So now in her sin, Eve has taken on the role of the serpent. Sometimes we blame the devil too much when we really are the ones doing his bidding. He doesn't even have to work anymore. Tempting our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, that's what we're doing. And the Bible says, then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. When it says that their eyes were opened, it means that they now indeed have the knowledge of good and evil. They ate the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. So they saw their sin for the first time. They were now aware that they were naked, and whereas before they didn't feel any shame, Now they did, so they made themselves clothes out of leaves. And then they hear God walking in what the Bible describes as the cool of the day. This was an interesting choice of time because our God is intentional. He chose when to come and to see them. Charles Spurgeon remarks on when he came, as he came not in the dead of night, when the natural glooms of darkness might have increased the terrors of the criminal. Not in the heat of day, lest we should imagine that God come in the heat of passion, and not early in the morning, as if in haste to slay, but at the close of the day, for God is long suffering, slow to anger, and of great mercy. So God comes by in the cool of the day, and Adam and Eve hide. They are ashamed, not because God is coming in hot and ready to be angry, but because sin brings shame. And God addresses Adam, where are you? And Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God said to Adam, who told you that you were naked? Because up until this point, they had been naked and unashamed. So part of God's question to them is, who made you to feel shame? Well, I can answer that question for you. Sin. Sin and our new knowledge of good and evil is what brought shame So God asked, have you eaten of the fruit which I commanded you not to eat? God knew. God already knew the answer to this question. So why did he ask? Okay. God could have made a statement and he could have spoken and given out judgment without any invitation to us to respond. He has that right as God. But I love this. Rather, He was inviting Adam and Eve into a conversation. He invites us into conversation, allowing Adam and Eve to explain their actions. There's this beautiful scripture that I like that reminds me of this moment with God, and it's Isaiah 1.18. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God knew. God knew their sin and the consequences of their sin. He knew what this meant and that they would no longer have free access to Him. He was probably really sad. He was probably maybe like angry. I don't know. And yet, God didn't come in guns blazing in anger, but He came in the cool of day, reasonable, ready to talk and ready to listen, ready to teach and ready to display His just righteousness. Come, let us reason together. Well, I wish that gave Adam (laughs) a better response, but it didn't, okay? Because there's never like a good response for sin. So here's what Adam says. The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? Then the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. I'm not going to judge Adam and Eve too harshly about like blaming other people, because this is just like all of us. In their shame, they looked for others to blame, reasons for their sin that could justify them. But the truth is they were to blame for their own actions. When you and I make poor decisions, when we sin, it's easiest for us to look around for people or circumstances to blame our decisions on. But this is a good reminder that in the end, we will be held accountable for our own decisions. Eve was tempted by the serpent. Adam was also tempted by Eve, but they made their own choice. You won't always have control over your circumstances. Or the people around you, or people who influence you, but you do have control over your choices. This brings me to the end of today's episode. We only got through 13 scriptures of Genesis chapter 3, the fall of man. Wasn't it juicy? There's so much to dissect from the scriptures. Next week, we're going to be discussing from Scripture 14 and on the repercussions of their actions. I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode. It kind of felt like a history lesson. And even though it is history, it's extremely relevant. This is our history and the history of our God. And with everything going on in the world, especially in Israel, I feel like I am reading the Bible. I literally feel like I'm watching the Bible unfold before my very eyes. And having an understanding of the Bible kind of helps in understanding the current state of our world. And as much as I hope that what we discuss is interesting, I also hope that it can help you see the relevance of the Bible today. Follow us on Instagram at the Basic Bible Babe. You can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back in two weeks. Okay, not this coming Thursday, but the following Thursday. And lastly, if you are dealing with anything in your life that brings you shame, like most of us are, okay, I would like to encourage you to listen to the Lord's invitation. Come, let us reason together. He wants to hear you. He came and died and rose again to revive the relationship between you and Him. And though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool.